On today's episode, we're going to talk about why seeding influencer-generated content and whitelisting influencer accounts are some of the best things you can do for your brand moving forward in the world of influencer marketing. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but has also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. So you're about to listen to an interview I had with Taylor Lagace. He's an influencer marketing expert. He runs an agency called Kinship. And the reason why you should listen to this podcast is very simple. I've been approached by a number of listeners um, on this podcast on um, a consultation basis a lot of some uh, well a a good number of you have reached out to me to have a look at your overall funnel i'm not just talking about your your facebook advertising funnel or your google advertising funnel some of you have come and reached out to me and said can there is something fundamentally wrong with what we're doing we're doing so many things right but there's something fundamentally wrong with what you're doing and when i look under the hood of many of these businesses, I realize that they lack um, a top of funnel, essentially a a brand-driven awareness layer that's just focused on getting as many eyeballs and as many as much mind share to learn about your brand with the right people. A lot of you are always in haunt mood, 100% of the time. And by hunt mood, I mean you're renting. You're essentially always going to buy media. And the moment you turn off media, sales just dry out. And so I've been wanting to talk a lot above, about above the line marketing, but in the digital sense of it. And, and that is why I brought Taylor into the show. He's an influencer marketing specialist and his agency does three things. They do what's called seeding, um, where they essentially get, um, a, your, your product and do a massive giveaway on a consistent basis, just regularly on a, on a monthly basis. They just do those giveaways on a monthly basis in order to, to get your brand out there. That's a seeding bit. The second bit of their, what the, his company does is they, they do influencer generated content where you ask an influencer essentially to create content on your behalf. And the third thing they do is taking control of that influencer's um, Facebook and Instagram accounts and actually advertising with your narrative. And, you know, that feeds into a funnel specifically built for that influencer. And that is what he calls whitelisting. It's actually a term, a general term in advertising. And with this three-pronged approach, it's just a solid framework to get as many people searching for your name, you know, that brand name search. It's a terrific episode. I took loads of notes um, for, for this this episode. It was two, two pages, you know, pretty much, almost two pages. And um, he's a clever guy. He knows, you know, what he, he knows his stuff, essentially. He has um, 
I used to head the influencer marketing efforts at the performance marketing agency um, called um, Common Thread Cre- um, Collective. Um, they they are very um, active in the um, direct to consumer Twitter space. So if you follow D to C, you know uh, personalities on 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 Twitter, you will find that. Um, um, t- you know, their, their founder and, you know, they're, they're very active essentially. So, so, um, he, he comes from a right place. Um, he is well connected and, um, he, you know, he has a lot of knowledge in, in this, um, you know, influencer marketing space. And, and I really strongly believe that, um, with, when you have a great product, when you have invested, when you have that passion to making a product, you know, a market wants, the next layer really is influence, you know, influencing, um, and convincing, um, the minds of, you know, um, people in a market that, um, you know, your product is superior. And, and this influencer marketing space is, is very important. Um, especially also with performance marketing, you know, using their content in your performance marketing efforts. I'm not going to babble too much, but, um, I think it's, it's a great episode. Enjoy. Now, if you haven't already, um, please leave us a review on iTunes because it, it just helps us, you know, get on their rankings, get on their pages. Although we're getting a lot more traffic now from Spotify. Um, if you haven't subscribed, this is your first time listening to this um, podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Um, like and share, you know, episodes like this with, um, with your colleagues, um, with, you know, fellow, um, you know, founders, you know, with family and friends. It just pushes out the word. It gets the word about 2x e-commerce out there um i appreciate you guys um for tuning in this uh i think it's an hour long interview um it's well worth the hour so uh, enjoy and i will catch you on the other side bye bye behind on planning for black friday and cyber monday well clavio is here to help Clavio is the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and all sizes. With email automation, SMS marketing, list growth tools, and more, you'll get everything you need to build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back. And with the holiday season right around the corner, there's no time like the present. Get up and running quickly with Clavio's lightning-fast integrations pre-built marketing automations and the beautiful email templates whether you're a billion dollar business or just starting out clavio is the e-commerce marketing platform for growth during the holidays and long after get a free trial at clavio.com slash 2x that is k-l-a-v-i-y-o.com slash 2x Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and big commerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to Rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. 
Well, guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kunde Campbell, and this is the e-commerce podcast show dedicated to rapid growth in the direct-to-consumer selling space. So if you work in marketing at an e-commerce business or a founder, I'm going to help you sell more directly to your customers. Each week, we interview an expert, a founder of a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business or representative from a best-in-class e-commerce SaaS product. Now, we're focused on helping you guys improve e-commerce growth metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, your audience size, and ultimately sales. Now, speaking of which, I have been, you know, we, we, we've had um, the likes of Snow, Tidge, Hanley, and many other e-commerce brands in the range of 10 to, to $100 million, you know, um, dollars in revenue come on the show and we've they've always talked about the impact of influencers at the, their top of funnel now on mm. today's episode i i'm super excited to to introduce taylor lagace he is the managing pa- founder co-founder and managing partner at kinship now kinship is an influencer marketing agency and he used to lead the the you know um the the influencer marketing um department at um collective thread i need to bring those guys on the show um but without further ado i'd like to welcome taylor taylor to the show welcome taylor man are you looking for a role man i need to hire you off that pitch <laughs> as well uh great to be here man thanks for having me Kunle. i appreciate oh, cheers, it cheers and I'm humbly going to say I probably haven't given John you sufficient justice in the introduction. Um, could you take a minute or two to introduce yourself, um, introduce, you know, what you guys do at Kinship and, um, yeah, um, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah. Like Kunli had mentioned uh, previously, we started Kinship about two years ago and we've mm-hmm. been building it from the ground up over the last two years. But prior to my time here, uh, I was at Common Thread Collective, like Kunli had alluded to briefly there. Uh, at Common Thread, I built out the influencer department from the ground up. They're predominantly a growth agency focusing on Facebook paid media, uh, especially when I was there. That was the main bread and butter. They've expanded to Google Ads, uh, SEO, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but during my time there, I was built, I was running the influencer funnels. So on the organic side of things, but predominantly on the paid media side of things, running funnels with influencer generated content, saw how powerful that was, ultimately saw an opportunity in the market to start a business. Uh, and here we have Kinship today. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, okay, let, let's talk about influencer marketing and performance marketing. You you were at a performance marketing agency at the time they were predominantly focused on Facebook advertising. Mm-hmm. How does studio or um you know seller generated content compare to influencer and user generated content? How what's what how would you weigh them if 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 there's such a scale to, 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 you know, from, from a content standpoint and impact? Yeah. Great question. Um, and obviously <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. It's going to come off a little biased here. Uh, mm-hmm. me being a managing partner of influencer agency. But when I was at the growth agency of common thread collective, we did offer content studio shoots. We did offer influencer generated content packages, user generated content packages. And what you saw was, Studio shoots and Common Thread had a very competitive pricing model in comparison to the rest of the marketplace. But studio shoots, as many of you guys know, are you know at least 15k to 50k, and you know for certain ones all the way up to 100k. Um, for you know 10 unique videos, they sell you on 50 at total assets or 100 total assets, but you typically get like 10 to 15 unique assets to take away from that. Yeah. Um, in comparison to you know influencer generated content where a lot of the times these influencers have high price points. If you have them post on their feed, we can get into that and talk about that later. That's just yeah. a really coveted thing for influencers mm-hmm. where brands probably have paid inflated price points and that became the new market rates. But mm-hmm. the main value add that we saw was them creating influencer generated content. So sourcing content, not even having them post, putting that into, you know, the brand's own distribution channels, predominantly mm-hmm. on Facebook. When I was at common thread, Again, you probably got double the amount of unique assets and total assets at half the price point. So not only was it more effective, but it was less expensive. Um, So massive opportunity there. Uh, I also think it's just because 
it's still the wild west when it comes to pricing for influencers that I don't know if they understand the value quite yet of their mm-hmm. content, but mm-hmm. it's native to the feed, right? Um, yep. Much more native to the feed than content studio shoots per se. Okay. Um, so long story short, that's, that's kind of what we see with influencer generated content. What about user generated content? Yeah. I mean, it's super powerful as well. The only difference there currently is that, User-generated content, obviously, are users of your products, um, which is great. And, and when we identify influencers on behalf of a brand, they we're not hiring, you know, the girl that's wearing a bikini in the Carl's Jr. commercial. No, these are these people are coming off as like authentic users as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a must. That has to that has to be a box that's checked. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to lose the authenticity of this individual. The difference here between the two is. You know, influencers are professional content creators. They're yeah. full-stack content creators. User-generated content is done by a consumer that doesn't do this on a day-to-day basis. They're not putting out content. They're not creating video. They don't understand how to position the value adds of a product uh, at the prospecting level of the funnel in a way that's going to convert the end user. Um, they're just going to give you their testimony at the end of the day. And there might be some uhs in there. There's not going to be that attention grabbing first three seconds. That's going to be thumb stopping. But mm-hmm. influencers do that, right? They do it on an everyday basis. Yeah. Um, they've proven to you know, put out thumb stopping content to build out their organic following in the first place. Okay. Um, so the hypothesis there is they're going to be able to do that on behalf of brands and products with sponsored ads as well. Okay. So three points, authenticity, cost, and they're just professional content creators from, from that perspective. That makes sense. So three checkboxes. Okay. So let's, let's take us through the hiring process, you know, um, so brands looking, listening to this, Marcus and Sims listening to this. What is the selection process for, you know, for an influencer in any given niche? What, what are the three, you know, what are the few points you just have to check, um, from your perspective as an expert? So you mean uh, for criteria of that influencer or what technology platforms are we using to identify these influencers? Um, Criteria. So things like their engagement, you know, um, the engagement ratio, um, their following, for instance. Um, Where's that sweet spot, you know, from a stat standpoint and from you just reviewing, you know, a potential candidate, more or less, quote unquote, for for an influencer opportunity or for an influencer generated content opportunity? Yeah. So it depends what the objective is, right? So if you're activating them on organic, um, so, you know, we briefly touched on like seeding, we briefly touched on, you know, sourcing influencer generating content to mm-hmm. be able to repurpose in the ad account. Uh, if you're doing an organic play criteria wise, we're hundred mm-hmm. percent looking into, you know, following uh, first things first, like if it's an organic play, we need to make sure there's an alignment from their persona to their audience. There has to be alignment there for the target demographic that the brand uh, is going after okay. uh, trying to get their product or service in front of one. Uh, again, this is a, be, uh, if this is an organic play Two, yeah, definitely engagement. Um, you know, at a micro level between 10 to hundred K followers, average engagement, it's about two to 3%, 3% okay. on the higher side. If you get up to 5%, 90th percentile, hundred K to 400 K, you're looking at one to 2% engagement, hundred K followers to 400 K followers. And again, 2% on the higher side of engagement within that tier of influencer, 400 K plus simply 1% engagement or less. If you get above that. Yeah. You're doing pretty well for yourself, but on the organic side, it's pretty limited, man. Um, the algorithms on social have become more and more limited in its ability to reach people. Not more mm-hmm. than like 10% of the audience is really seeing the content that's being put out. Mm-hmm. And then again, you just heard the engagement numbers. And the price points, again, are inflated. So organic pay for posts, it's hard to win there. That's where you get people that try that and say influencer marketing is dead. Mm. But in reality, it's probably just not the best way to go about it. Um, so the main thing that we see, though, I know I deviated away from your question a little bit. The main thing that we really are looking at, and if this is going to be repurposed for paid media, is there, is there video content creation ability? Always get video content. Uh, if you're going to be working with influencers and identify the ones that can do it well, which influencers are going to be able to sell, not just, you know, create, you know, pretty looking feeds and put together great pictures could care less. Can this person grab my attention the first three seconds of this video and sell me on your product or service? That is the number one main thing we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm I'm learning a ton. Uh, there's, there's a lot coming through, and there's so many questions I want to ask you. Okay, so which do you prefer, 
YouTube or Instagram, or would it be both? So for organic posting, uh, prefer from, I, I, I was going to answer both. I'm going to answer in just two okay. different ways here Okay. for organic, for organic posting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to activate on Instagram stories. Why okay. YouTube posts organically highest, uh, highest price point that influencers have it's okay. across the board. It's the highest price point. Um, and YouTube posts are good. I mean, it could be great for Google SEO as well. Yeah. Um, obviously long form content, Ideally, the brand has the ability to, you know, own that content, repurpose it. Okay. Not a lot of brands end up doing that, but I would always recommend having full ownership of the content being posted on behalf of you guys so you can redistribute across your own channels. Mm-hmm. Instagram stories, cheapest placement, uh, and okay. actually goes the furthest uh, with organic posting. Um, it just has more engagement than typical feeds, uh, feed posts, uh, greater reach, greater engagement. Most importantly, you can drive traffic directly to the website. It's one of the only placements that really does that effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can give them a UTM link that tracks uh, the actual performance here instead of putting like a link in the description of a YouTube post so or a link in the bio on a feed post. Like we all know adding another inconvenient out of the way step for the end user, yeah. you're, yeah. You're, it's going to be a significant drop off. You need yeah. to be able to click out directly to the website. Yeah. Instagram story does that effectively. And again, it's just, it's a cheap placement. And a lot of the time it is video content. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I never actually thought that when you look at all the assets, all the content assets in, in Instagram, you know, with the post, you cannot click on, on post unless if it's sponsored and you have to go to the right. buyer to click it. But, you know, you, you realize that, you know, if you're an influencer, you, you must already have 10,000 plus followers. So you should just swipe up and then click, you know, through. Okay. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. What are your thoughts on Instagram reels? Um, TikTok. And Snapchat, you know, these new, this nascent, um, you know, platforms, where do they fit in the influencer, you know, marketing landscape today? Yeah. Just to, just to circle back on your last question, I did want okay. to mention, we use YouTube as a strong uh, medium to identify influencers, though. Obviously, that okay. there's no better place to yep. figure out, can somebody create great video content than yep. YouTube? So okay. that is our, you know, research platform where okay. we're diving deep into seeing who are the best creators. A okay. lot of the time when we identify, identify influencer back brands uh, in the search engine that we're using, we're making sure that they have at least 5,000 followers on YouTube just to, you know, okay. make sure that this pool of people can create great video content. Okay. But, and, and, I, and I guess with the metrics you provided in terms of like the, the 3% engagement, 100K followers, you still have a look at their comments to just, you know, see what kind of comments are coming through and you look yeah. at numbers, right? A variety of different things, right? Are they working with brands that are, you know, competing with the brand uh, or the product or service that we're about to be pushing? Did they post about mm-hmm. it the other week? Like, obviously, we want to do our due diligence on a lot of different checkboxes, but okay. just wanted to give you a couple of the main things. And again, if we're just sourcing like influencer generated content and we're not getting to have them post, listen, like engagement, who really even cares at that point? We're tapping mm-hmm. on these people as, you know, the best user generated content creators at that point yeah. and yeah. for that purpose alone. So okay. we've worked with influencers that have become our best selling influencers in the ad accounts that have like 0.5 engagement and they just mm. absolutely crush content on behalf of brands. Yeah. Yeah. So but again, organically speaking, definitely follow all those, you know, check boxes that we okay. sifted through okay, uh, so- on the TikTok side of things mm-hmm. and all the other platforms that you laid out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with organic, again, if we're doing organic, I would 100%, you know, I wouldn't do the pay for post model. Like I'm not all in on that at all. I don't think you're going to get your money's worth by paying, you know, a hiked up price for a TikTok feed post or a YouTube post in a one-off capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to win on organic, uh, you need to mass seed your product out. Um, and what I mean by mass seed, gift your product out to, uh, a lot of as many people as you possibly can per month. Um, when we work with brands, we typically try to get them to at least identify 300 people for us to reach out to and ultimately seed the product to. Uh, and we're doing it in a way where we're saying, Hey, we want to send your product out. No strings attached to these people start the relationship in a way where you're saying, Hey, we think you're a great representative of our brand. We think you'd absolutely love our product and you'd be in like, we want to give it to you for free. No strings okay. attached. Just send me your address and we'll get it to you. Uh, at that point, you'll get a lot of buy-in and you're not paying these people for the posts. 
you're getting and identifying your biggest brand advocates that are going to start talking about your brand free of cost. And at that point, it can be across any, you know, uh, of the organic uh, distribution channels. Um, if they're willing to do it across all of them, awesome. Um, the biggest, again, I, I'll just go back to it. Instagram story is still the most powerful one. Um, okay. Biggest reach, greatest engagement, and drives traffic directly to the website in a very effective manner. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok's interesting. It's still pretty volatile. Um, and again, it's just, it's a younger demographic, mm-hmm. not the you know most purchasing power. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of traction on it amidst the season um, and a lot of viewers, um, but still haven't seen that conversion revenue there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest the biggest way that we've seen in scaling influencers is through uh, Facebook and Instagram paid media and repurposing content there, yeah. uh, where you can actually optimize for conversions. Um, yeah. So, so, so you, you, TikToks you, and all those platforms aren't there yet. You know, like Instagram has a sixty second. Um, you know, um, limit for Instagram ads. Um, do you do you give them a, a you know um, a that's what do you, do you tell them to to make the videos in less or the content in less than um, you know sixty seconds so it's Instagram friendly or would you just take whatever they give and cut and slice for um, for, for 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 your ads? Great question. Uh, so we typically source three videos per influencer. Okay. Um, and each of those videos are 15 to 30 seconds. We want to make sure that these videos okay. can work across all placements okay. uh, on Facebook and Instagram when we're running okay. those as advertisements. Okay. Um, and those three videos uh, that, we're cur- that we're creating with the influencer, we're giving them a creative brief that lays out key talking points, value ads, value props um, that would position uh, content at every step of the customer journey, prospecting, retargeting portions of the funnel, et cetera, every step this of the way. Is, this is different. When you scope for organic, you're actually paying the influencers to create, you know, three videos for you. This is different from what you talk about mass seeding, which is giving away, um, you know, 300, giving away your items to 300 people within a month and expecting them to do something. Am I, is that right? Or am I wrong? 100, 100%. And it's not going to be 300 people for everybody, right? You know, yeah. if, if you're, if you're a company that's selling cars, you're not giving out 300 cars per month. No. Um, but like, if you're a silicone wedding ring, like that costs 50 cents, like shoot, you could send out a thousand per month. So obviously that number varies uh, per brand. Um, but as much as you possibly can, given the costs of your product, mm-hmm. um, I would, I would allocate uh, that to influencer seeding. So all this to say, if you care about the organic side of things, the way to go about organic to keep an ongoing conversation on a month-to-month basis going uh, with influencers specifically is mass seeding your product. Uh, do this in comparison to paying for one-off posts. You're not going to get your money's worth there. Um, in comparison to just mass seeding, you're not paying for the post. You're identifying your biggest brand advocates, yeah. people that have adopted your product, and they're posting for free. So and, that's the way to go about doing that. And, and you do it, you do it consistently. Monthly. Good. Monthly. monthly. Okay. And you're just constantly building that out, building out your community as much as possible. That conversation is becoming greater and greater. It's so. a good thing you mentioned community. Um, how do you consolidate your community? Would you say you speak to them from your social platform? So your, your social page, whether it's your IG page or your Facebook page, or um, do you, how do you gather them together, a Facebook group? You know, how do you really garner the power of community? Because everybody is, is spread all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, to be honest, what we've seen to work best, mm-hmm. these people like to, and I get it. Um, I don't want to be, honestly, being thrown into a group sounds, it's efficient, right? Mm-hmm. But they're just another fish in the sea at that point, right. these people, and honestly, we don't even like onboarding them. There's a lot of platforms out there like grin and, you know, that allow yeah. you to get onboard onto a platform and communicate yeah. with them there amongst everyone else. Yeah. Um, we keep it over email, sometimes uh, phone, um, text, and okay. uh, direct DMs from uh, the Instagram brand page. Um, okay. It's just more personal and they feel mm-hmm. like it's a one-on-one connection there. And that's mm-hmm. huge. Um, mm-hmm. It's building rapport and relationship. Mm. Super interesting, super interesting. And, you know, the, your seed, the, the, the mass seeding is what was employed by, um, MVMT movement watches. Um, and, and they yeah. still do it till, to this day. Um, and when you look at Daniel Wellington and a few other, you know, watch brands, they've tried to replicate the same strategy and, um, 
it seems to be working anyway. Okay. Um, so well, Kunle, another to- thing, another thing there is, by the way, on the seating, yeah. and I don't mean just to continue to hammer this, oh, no, no, go- but, but by starting that relationship with no strings attached, mm-hmm. I think you're just a great representation. You'll love our product. I'm telling you when you end up working with them in a more official capacity, where you're paying them because when you you source three videos and an image and you source uh, you know an actual post contractually, there will be you know payment involved. But when you start the relationship with the seating, building that rapport, no strings attached, you'll see those price points when you do contract your top brand advocates. Mm-hmm. Th- those price points are cut in half. Really. Half. Okay. So what you're saying is if I must seed and I get a relationship, I get into a relationship with Mr. X who happens to post, um, my, my giveaway for my wristwatch or what have you. Um, if I was to reach out to them to create content for me, um, organic content for me, say three videos, um, let's say their charge is like 10,000, 10 K, you know, for, for, um, for, for, for three assets, they would slash it to, to like 5 K that same person, that same influence. Highly confident, highly confident. Well, if you started, if you started in a way with, Hey, Mr. 10 K influencer, yeah. we'd love for you to create three videos and an image and post on YouTube. People are like, okay, here's my, you know, standard market, you know, packaging, my rates, talk to my agent. If you see them and then you see that they post organically about you just because they love your product. Mm-hmm. they're just begging to work with you in a more official exactly. capacity. These people love what you're doing. And that, that's exactly. the filter to be able to identify those people that you can work with in a cost effective. Okay. Manner. Okay. So it's a pillar. Okay. So speaking of, um, payments, it's a very contentious, you know, um, you know, um, what's it called topic you have at the very high end, you know, celebrities, you know, charging seven figures to post. Um, what is fair for both the creator and the brand. Let's yeah. say from a from a hundred k standpoint, you have a hundred k, you know, engaged. Um, you know, f- you have a hundred k followers. You have three percent engagement rate. Um, you yeah. post on a daily basis. You turn up. You're you know you're reliable. How much should we pay that sort of influencer? Say if it was fashion, they, they pop up every day. You know, new influencers or Can, this fit- this may. I would say this probably is controversial uh, and people may not agree with me. It's just from what we've seen. I am not interested in paying for posts uh, on organic. The organic posts that I will be getting will become uh, from free for free from this seeding method um, every time, because the amount that I'm going to be paying in order to mass seed this product. And that's going to be, if my product's five bucks and I seed 300 people, I'm looking at, you know, 1500 bucks reach, you know, 1500 bucks is going to get me a couple posts from, you know, three influencers with a hundred K if that, and that's, that's pretty good rates, 500 per post. If I see 300 people, I'm going to get way more than three posts for that $1,500 that I just made it Mm -hmm. as an investment to seed out this product. And then I'm going to find the people that actually give a crap about Mm -hmm. my product Mm -hmm. instead of these people that are just, you know, they may not even come off authentic at the end of the day. They just got paid to do this. So I'm just not interested in it, man. But when it comes to sourcing content and actually getting whitelisting, Mm -hmm. hey, we can talk that all day. Um, That's significantly undervalued right now. Influencers are very foreign to the concept still of what influencer whitelisting is. Um, And they're like, oh, I don't, when we talk to them about negotiating these partnerships, I don't need to post on my feed. I don't need to post anywhere. Holy moly. Cool. Uh, Well, here's my content. Um, And what do I have to do to grant whitelisting access? And it's not, it's still not going to show up my feed. Oh, okay. Well, my feed post price points, 5,000. If you want, if you just want content, I don't need to post, you know, maybe it's 2000 bucks. In reality, it's like through whitelisting, it's like I'm posting to their followers as many times as I want for however long I have the ability to run, you know, advertiser access. Taylor, we're going to talk about whitelisting. I'm super excited to talk about that. But going back to like influencer generated content, what would you spend to for what would you charge what would the what should what's a fair price for an influencer to charge you for creating you know um content for you like maybe three videos um and say the influencer has 100k um you know followers yeah yeah so i'll just give you i'll just give you like the blueprint that we do (laughs) um 
and sorry, I go on, I go on tangents here and there. Um, <laughs> circle back. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so for 10 K to hundred K followers, mm-hmm. we typically reach out over again, DM or email. If we want three videos and image, we say, Hey, um, we would love to work with you in this capacity, et cetera. Things I've already laid out. Uh, we'd love to offer you 150 bucks, you know, for these deliverables. That's low. We're just, we're just starting low. We're starting low. We're anchoring ourselves. We're obviously doing, we're reaching out to, if we're identifying, if we're working with five, we're identifying 30 people. We're more than comfortable working with them. We're highly confident. In. Um, so there's going to be a good pool of people that if we get some notes, it's okay. It's all right. Um, offer 150. They come back, they counter. We'll offer 300. They come back again, max 500 bucks. We, we per don't video. Pay. Per no, video. No, total. For all three all videos. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. All three videos. Um, and as you know, that's a that steal. Is steal. That's a steal. Steal. <laughs> um, absolute steal. So sometimes yeah. we go above, obviously above yeah. that. We could, we'll pay people up to a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. But if you're a listener in the audience right now looking to do this internally, that's the, our method. You know, okay. identify five to six times the amount of people that you're ultimately going to work with, all people that you're confident in, anchor yourself at a fifth, 150. You'll get people that buy them. You, you see people still say yes and get in on boarded 300 off of 300. And then ultimately probably max out the 500. Hey, we just can't go above this budget. This is what we maxed out at, et cetera, et cetera. But if they're a fire content creator, yeah, I mean, pay them, pay them more. I mean, the market rate of a great asset, you know, in stu- when it comes to studio shoots, it's like 500 bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're getting these, like you're getting an asset from these people at a hundred bucks, 50 bucks. So yeah. it's a great deal. And those are creative straight up for, for, um, for, for, for your Facebook ads. Okay. So yeah. speaking of Facebook advertising, let's talk about whitelisting. So for those, those listeners that don't know about whitelisting, let's define what whitelisting is and how it's, um, what impact it has on Facebook advertising. Yeah. That's a good okay. Way to start. okay. Where do we start? Okay. If I go off on a rant, you have to stop me. Um, and bring me and bring me back. So the <laughs> the basic premise of whitelisting and the reason why you do it again, if you if you circle back to what we briefly touched on earlier on in this in this podcast is organic social has be, increasingly become limited in its ability to reach audiences. Mm-hmm. So if I'm an influencer with a hundred thousand followers, it's no longer the days on Instagram where when I post, every single one of my followers sees that post. Yeah. You're typically maxed out at 10% of the audience actually seeing that. It's a 20, it lasts for 24 hours. If you're hours lucky. If you get if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you're lucky. That's typically what you get capped out at these days. Um, and your engagement on average, 2 to 3%. As you get a greater following, 1% to 2%. Greater than that, 1%. So it's just like, are you really... And, and the highest price points come with feed posts. It's like, are you really want to pay all this money for this little engagement, this little reach. And not to mention like not many conversions come from organic, it's simply an awareness play. And as we all know, everyone's typically looking for return on investment in the channels they're investing in. So whitelisting, Hey, it's no longer a one-off post. You no longer have limited reach. You no longer have limited engagement. You have full control over the content that these influencers are giving you. You handle the copy, you handle the targeting, you can build out audiences off of, their followers. It's really everybody that's engaged with their social profiles on Facebook and Instagram in the last 365 days. Obviously that's going to be made up of all their followers, but you'll find that, Hey, if someone has a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, their engagement audience, when you build it out within Facebook ads manager tends to be about 200,000 people because there's people that engage with their content over the course of this last year that Mm -hmm. don't necessarily follow them. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're able to build those out, plug it into a campaign and then target that audience. When you're targeting them, full control of the paid media spend. And that allows you to reach everybody in that audience. One question. Do you target from their account or do you target from your account? Currently, that's why, see, that's why you do this for a living. Uh, <laughs> great question. Yeah. So white listening is the ability to serve ads, their content, uh, from their social handles uh, into uh, their audiences, uh, as well That's as other powerful. audiences. Exactly. You don't need even you don't need to just target their followers as well. I would highly, obviously, recommend doing that. But you want to build a full funnel, follow as follow up from that place of just their engagers. 
and they're recognizable. You know, they, they, you know, you, you know, an influencer when you see, you know, you see one, you just know, you know, Jay Shetty when you see him, you just know him. And if it's, you know, talking about yoga, you know, products or something, (laughs) there's so much weight in that. So it's like an endorsement, essentially an amplified endorsement, which you control. For sure. But there's also power in doing this with micro-influencers, right? Right, yeah. Those are people that have super niche audiences. Mm-hmm. Now, like if I'm a macro-influencer and you just have, you know, the ability to do this with one person and they have a million followers, obviously that's great. But if you can set up, you know, 10 of these like funnels and whitelisting mm-hmm. and these 10 people make up everything that you love about that person with 1 million followers, mm-hmm. man, again, micro-influencers typically have a following base that you know, follow along with this person for one to two reasons predominantly instead in comparison to a macro influencer that has a variety of different reasons. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Clavio is the e-commerce marketing platform that helps brands build relationships with memorable email and SMS messages. Today, more than 50,000 brands like Living Proof, Hint, and Choppies choose Clavio to help them grow. Learn more and get started with the free trial at clavio.com slash 2x. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash 2x. Let's go back to the basics. How would you define a micro-influencer versus a macro-influencer? When, when does a micro start to become macro? At what point? So we define micro-influencers as 10 to 100,000 followers. Okay. Um, Hundred thousand followers to 400, 450,000 followers as a mid tier, four hundred fifty okay. plus to a million, a macro million okay. plus a celebrity. Okay. All right, cool. That's really, really good stuff. So, um, in regards, you're passionate here currently. I appreciate. It. <laughs> no, no, it's, I just have to break everything down, right? Um, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the no, audience, they, they they love it. They love it. Okay, so going back into the white listing, um, how. You've you've been you know under the the hood you know in 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 American terms it's, it's a boot in in sorry it's bonnet anyway so um going on <laughs> going on the the hood in uh, you know from from your perspective you've how would you build out a funnel you know um a a full out TOF top of funnel mid funnel and bottom would you run even shopping ads as a bottom of funnel from that or would you rather do that from your account you know it would it, be a bit too salesy just from my my limited perspective to you know run shopping ads you know to um from an influencer but you know um what have you seen work you know from a full funnel perspective um so yeah you lay out a great question let's see how to best approach this question so i guess again i'll just compare it to organic real quick mm-hmm Limited reach, limited engagement, limited frequency. When I say frequency, it's just yep. a one-off post. There's no follow as a customer journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, in comparison to whitelisting, okay, now we have the ability uh, for all those in the audience that are familiar with Facebook paid media and the capabilities of it, we can target their followers now, right? Mm-hmm. Now we can follow up on that. For, that's not where it stops. There's yep. platforms out there, uh, hashtag paid, Lumanu, um, other platforms though as well that enable whitelisting. But a lot of these platforms don't even actually allow you to target the influencers' audiences. Um, that's going to be when you target the influencers' audiences. That's going to be the first touch point prospecting level of the funnel. And currently, I'm always optimizing for conversions and okay. running shot and uh, uh, running the shop now call to action. Okay. Otherwise, firmly believe you're just burning money. Facebook's machine learning system uh, is going to when you optimize for conversions, it's going to pull together the people that are most likely to convert and have the habit of hopping on these platforms for the sole intent of shopping um, or they're just you know, they've proven to be that individual. So always doing uh, shop now, optimizing for conversions. First touch point of the customer journey, the funnel with whitelisting, they're engaged their audiences on Facebook, Instagram as a follow-up as a second touch point, which goes back to, you know, sourcing three videos from these people. Hey, we're going to get a video from this person for that prospecting portion of of the funnel here. Mm-hmm. Second touch point of the funnel, people that watched the prospecting videos, at least yeah. 75% of it, up yeah. to 95% of them. As a third touch point, people that clicked out to the website, website traffic. Yeah. Fourth touch point, people that added to cart and initiated checkout, all okay. within the same funnel, right? Okay. And then ultimately, 
that's going to drive out to a landing page. That's an influencer landing page. Hey, this is this person's collection. This is this person's line. You know, it's a full cohesive funnel here from A to Z. This influencer is walking them through their customer journey. To their on, first on, on your domain, I would think on your domain, on, on your, in your yeah. store, their collection makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is ninja stuff. It's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. I agree. It's powerful. Did I keep? Did I keep it consistent for you there? Or did I go off in too many too many directions? You you were bang on. You were you. Were Come on, on. <laughs> we're getting better. I love it. All right, this is this is amazing. Okay, so um, yeah, this is this is amazing. Um, is there any other thing you want to talk about in regards to seeding, whitelisting, and um, and um, you know, I'm just generating content. Is there anything you think we haven't really sort of touched upon? Because those three principles are really key. That's why I've picked up in this entire where you. Yeah, it's a three. Yeah, yeah. it's a three-pronged approach. I would do it every month. Yeah, um, yeah. I wouldn't pick one or the other. If yeah. you're a, a, a brand uh, in the audience or an agency in the audience mm-hmm. uh, looking to do influencer, you know, to begin with, I would lay the foundations by starting with seeding. But okay. once you get into rhythm with you know select influencers, do it the entire three-pronged approach on a month-to-month basis. Mm-hmm. You're seeding people, building relationships, identifying who are your flag bearers, who are big advocates of your product. Okay, these are people we want to work with. Out of those cool people that become the brand advocates, who are the best video content creators that can sell product? Okay, let's get content from them on a consistent basis as an alternative to really expensive studio shoots. This is content that's really native to the platform on Facebook mm-hmm. paid media. Okay, let's implement that into paid media now and scale this in a way that's going to really drive revenue for our business. It's makes a three-point approach every month. Makes sense. Um, I'd like to reverse, I'd like us to reverse engineer um, a brand, at least one brand that's um, become successful off the back of Instagram, or off the back of, um, you know, influencer marketing. And that brand is Gymshark. Uh, and I'm sure that you'd have understudied them, you know, um, a couple of times given what you do. Why do you think they were so successful? Was it timing? Is it the certain methodology? You know, could you deconstruct their success? Yeah, I mean, listen, that is like the, that is what it looks like uh, to seed well. Um, they mass seed. They put such an emphasis on building community uh, in the right way um, from a ton of micro influencers to mid tier to macro across the yeah. board. Yeah. Um, and then from that place, and this is something we didn't touch on Kunli as well is um, after doing seeding and gifting in the right way um, and building out rapport and relationship, they were able to onboard these people into affiliate programs. Mm. Um, and yes. this affiliate program that they built out uh, is incredibly robust. And that's something we definitely recommend doing um, people that become, you know, influencers, what people don't realize is influencers need to put out consistent content, right? They need to put out consistent content. So if they don't have brands uh, reaching out to them to pay them for posts to talk about products, these influencers still need to align themselves in the niche that they're trying to really make an impact in. And so they're going to talk about products regardless within that niche. And so you need to see product to these people to then have them speak about it talk about it. You'll find a lot of people do it for free. And once they do that, it's a perfect opportunity to get them onto an affiliate program. So they're already talking about your product and they're probably going to continue to do. Hey, now you, Hey, we saw that you, you know, talked about our product. Thank you so much. Glad you love it. Would you want to get onboarded on our affiliate program? We'd love for you to get paid, you know, in the future, if you happen to do this um, Mm -hmm. ever again. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's the perfect transition. And so Gymshark did that in a phenomenal way and continues to do so. And, you know, that's like their main um, revenue driver, this community, this affiliate program. And and the the, the affiliate program is tracked in two ways, by a link and the code. It's Mm -hmm. it's either, you know, it's, it's one or the other. Um, and I also noticed um, the MVMT website. I was there earlier on today. They have like an ambassador's landing page where it's like there's a creator community on the left, which is an ambassador program. And then there's an affiliate marketing onboarding where, you know, if you're a pure play affiliate where you create content or blogs, you just sign up. Um, and as a creator, you can apply. So my question is, um, 
for brands, should they take the, I think even Gymshark has this, should they take um, this approach where they have landing pages, where they get inbound applications um, from, um, from, from potential creators or influencers? Yeah. I mean, why not? It's just creating process and streamlining it. Right. And like, we're talking about Gymshark's ambassador program right now. People Mm -hmm. are seeing this and people are talking about it. People want to be a part of it when there's something socially, you know, driving buzz and conversation and it's becoming viral to a certain extent. People want to be a part of it. They want to know how to be a part of it. So providing them the ability to gain access into what you guys are doing yeah, well, definitely. You don't need to always be the one proactively taking the steps to reaching out and onboarding people. Lend the opportunity for people to be able to do so for themselves and watch your community grow overnight. Okay. So there's some listeners to, to this show that are you know, doing less than $5 million in revenue right now. Um, they, may, they may not necessarily be hugely profitable, but they're keeping their head – they're struggling to keep their head over the water. I've had conversations with a few – what would you build out? So let's say they, they're like predominantly um, performance marketing driven and, um, you know, that's the way it is. They, they focus on performance marketing. What would you build out if you were to give them advice? Would you, would you say they build out a retention team, which is like email marketing? I know this is a bit um, biased question um, to ask you. Would you say they should build out an influencer marketing team? Um, what would you retention or more brand um, to just push to, to open up the appetite or, you know, to create that appetite, you know, for, for the brand and the desire um, in the marketplace for the brand, or should they focus on, 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 on retention, which is really getting, um, you know, subsequent sales or, you know, customer life cycle from existing customers. Yeah. I mean, all the above. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> If I'm a if, if I'm the brand that you just laid out, when it comes to influencers specifically, I would definitely. And this is actually something we haven't talked about either. Um, the most if, I'm trying to lay out the most cost effective manner of getting the most bang for your buck with influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to discuss real quick a tool called Mighty Scout as well in tandem with the seeding program. Okay. So again, if you're a five million dollar brand in revenue. Uh, you still have a decent budget for marketing at that point and, and definitely enough to have impact with influencer. Again, identify and figure out the number of products you're willing to see it on a month to month basis. Send those out. The people that you send product to, this is where that tool Mighty Scout comes in. Mighty this Scout, is how'd, you, how'd you spell it? Mighty Scout. Mighty is, Scout. Uh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. M-I-G-H-T-Y Scout yeah. S-C-O-U-T. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to prove I could spell. Well, I used to be in you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. So yeah. And they have a great team. This guy, Joe Anderson over there is co-founder. Awesome guy. Um, check him out. Um, so we, we, uh, use their tool for every seeding campaign that we do. Um, if you're a brand looking to do this again, cost effective way you plug in every single social profile that you ultimately seed. And since you're given it no strings attached and you're not contracting the post on a certain day, Mm -hmm. like how the hell are we going to track 300 people? If they're posting, I have to be like scavenging, you know, the internet and social media 24 seven to see who's posting real time, who tagged us, et cetera. Mighty Scout, what it does obtains these posts, captures them in real time. Uh, if they tag your brand, uh, and the majority of the time influencers do tag the brand if they actually post about it uh, mm-hmm. on their like IG stories. So it captures IG stories, cool. captures feed posts, and it, it all goes into the platform. And, and so I say this as a cost effective way to go about this because now you don't need to actually um, source and contract influencers for three videos, one image. Mm-hmm. When you do that, I will say you'll get more quality content because you're giving them like creative direction, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to get approval on that content since you're paying them. So, but that's just an added expense. If you're a $5 million brand or less, maybe you don't have the luxury of having, you know, that expanded budget for quality curated specific content. Mighty Scout again, obtains and captures all this content that's being organically posted on behalf of your brand, you can save that content right there and then redistribute it across your other marketing channels. So you're building out this ad account library or just this content library for you to use across your own marketing channels, free of cost from people that are becoming these brand advocates. So if I have that budget, that's the way I'd go about it. Seed, Mighty Scout. It also tracks all the organic metrics that you possibly want to see, impressions, engagements, link clicks, sales, it does track all that. The biggest value add, though, 
is the content being captured for you to be able to redistribute it and own. It makes sense. Thanks. Thanks for, for, for the, for the tip. Thanks for the tip. Thanks for the tip. Right. Um, I think we have, I think we, we've talked a lot about this. Um, what about the, what's your perfect influencer marketing tech stack? Um, so you talked about Mighty Scout. Um, what else would you layer in um, side by side Mighty Scout? Hmm, okay. So what I will say is Facebook Brand Clouds Manager is something definitely everybody in the audience go get on. Um, they're still early on. They're not even marketing it yet. Um, I'm actually jumping on a call with them tomorrow to discuss how they're going to go to market with getting in front of brands and advertisers, but it's, it's available right now. You need to apply and get onboarded, but that's Facebook's very own influencer, uh, like search engine identification search engine platform. And it's free. And so like the search engine influencer technology industry will, in my opinion, be obsolete relatively soon uh, outside of Facebook, just absolutely dominating that marketplace. So tech stack, Facebook Brand Clouds Manager. We also currently use Tagger uh, as our identification platform. Facebook Brand Clouds Manager is not there yet completely, but mm-hmm. within a year, there's no one obviously with more data than them on yep. influencers. So, and it's free. So, Facebook Brand Clouds Manager, Tagger. Um, I said Mighty Scout as well to track organic side of things. Obviously, Facebook Ads Manager. Um, What's, what and- would you use Tagger for? Identification. Okay. Currently, it's just really uh, robust, uh, and it's exactly what we need uh, from identifying you know, back-end profiles for audience uh, matches, demographics, persona types, video content creation ability, et cetera. Um, any questions on that piece? Um, no, no. Um, it's the, the Facebook Brand Clouds Manager, I can't find it. <laughs> I was just looking for it on Facebook, but yeah, on Google, but I couldn't find it. Brand, so Facebook's Brand, brand okay. Collabs. Collabs, okay, okay, okay. L-L-A-B-S got it, Manager. Got it, got it. Okay, I found it now. I found it now. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Yep. And then for affiliate, we uh, use Refersion. Um, if we onboard any uh, yep. influencers onto an affiliate program, Refersion is a great tool to be able to use. Um, let's see. Uh, we have our own seating app, uh, called the kinship seating app. Okay. You guys want to check that out. It's on Shopify. You'd have to be a Shopify store to be able to do so. But all that does is just streamlines the ability to, um, seed out your product free of cost instead of like zeroing out every single individual order. You can do it at scale. You can just input them and then send the product. It connects your 3PL on your Shopify store. It just eliminates a lot of manual labor there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a lot, a, a lot of wasted time at the kinship office of doing one-off orders <laughs> hours on end. Um, uh, technology. What else? I'm trying to give you the full stack here currently. <laughs> there might be others, but for now that's uh, all I'll give you. Uh, I think they're pretty solid. I think they're pretty solid Taylor. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Taylor, it's, I, I hate to let you go. Okay, one other question. What is the difference? I'm going to have two questions. What's the difference between a creator and an influencer? So, because I, uh, there's some, I've been some some influencers paid like we're not influencers, we're creators, and there's this debate in in their space. It's there's no difference, man. That's just bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Part of my language. I'm sorry. You no, can, it's all you right. can, no, you no, can no, bleep no. that out. There's no. It's ridiculous. You know, and you you hear agencies, you hear influencers. I'm not an influencer. I'm a creator. It's just, man. It's just people being reactive to the narrative that's being produced by yeah. the media, right? And the media is saying right now, influencers are schemers. They're fake. They suck. And it's just like, okay, we're no longer influencers. Let's call ourselves creators. Um, they're the same. I mean, we identify the same thing. People will say the influencer. When people think of influencer nowadays, they're thinking of the girl in the bikini that has all like male followers. Yeah. Why would we hire this person to put like a makeup cosmetic product in front of their audience when that's not going to resonate with anybody? Yeah. I think that's what people think about nowadays when the, the word but, influencer is used. Yeah. In comparison to creator, people typically think about this person can create great video content that will sell uh, across our distribution channels. This person is authentic or organic, et cetera. So I think that's what people think about. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It's all BS. Um, another question I have is humor, you know, so remember the, what's that, um, 
what's the name of that platform, the Twitter platform that they had to Vine. Remember Vine comedians, you know, there's this community of Vine comedians who yeah, used to live. The place somewhere. exploded. It really exploded. And they've sort of migrated over to Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. What's your take on brands taking a humorous approach to promoting their products with the hope of virality, you know, in, in a certain way, would you focus on selling or would you also layer in that, you know, um, yeah, the humor bits in the content you ask them to create for you, which could possibly whitelist and scale? That's an interesting question, man. Um, I would make sure. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely interesting. Obviously, people love humor um, and it's thumb stopping. I would just make sure it integrates and incorporates because that falls in like when we create content with influencers, we want to make sure it's educational and entertaining, obviously. Mm-hmm. And those are two check marks that we want to have that yeah. box checked every time. So obviously, when you say we want to incorporate humor, that is checking the box of entertainment. entertainment but yeah. how do we incorporate the education into this humorous piece? So, and that's hundred percent doable. And we've done it time and time again, just make sure you need to make sure that those two things are integrated with one another yeah. in the video content that you're producing to make sure it's, it's on brand. It's on, you know, it's, it's getting the main value ads across for your product or service. Um, so people understand what it is they're watching and who it's on, who is that on behalf of. Yeah. So case in mind, the dollar shave club that launched their brand for instance. Crush it. And a lot of people tried to replicate it, just didn't work. So my thoughts, uh, you know, could it be possible to outsource it to an expert, you know, who can entertain? And then they always have that education piss there. But the key thing is just to get people to stick to watch the entire video while the product is in view or is in use or something. I'm, I'm just thinking out of the box. Well, yeah, they, they crush it, man. Yeah, And yeah. everything they put out is humorous. But it's they humorous. do a, an incredible job at making the humorous points about their main value ads. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's incorporating both like that recent piece that they did with Gronk Gronkowski and his girl. It. I don't know if you haven't seen it, but they're poolside and Gronk is behind a bush, like cutting it with, you know, the lawn scissors over here. And he's got the manscape product out and he's behind <laughs> this massive bush completely naked. And he's just like, supposedly cut in the bush, but it's really his bush. It's just hammering this point home of the main value add, right? And what it's for, and it's all humorous. So when you can bring those two together, it's super powerful. Yeah, Michael Dobbin, the the founder of Dollar Shave Club, I think he has he has a, an improv um, you know background, so he, he utilized you know some of those skills, you know, on there. Um, just final point is you know Gymshark, they just they fascinate me, right? I was just looking at their stats on um, SEM Rush, and you'd not believe that eight hundred thousand people a month in the US alone search for Gymshark, and then. A further 800,000, 800, you know, no, 50,000 search for like Gymshark leggings a month. It's just ridiculous in terms of what they've been able to, to, to garner. And my thoughts are like, do you measure like brand name search, like the brand uplift from all the activity that you're doing? And if you do, how often do you sort of measure that brand uplift? Because someone who searches for my brand, in my opinion, if I was selling, say, microphones, um, has much more intent than someone who's just searching for podcast microphones, just as a hypothetical um, example. So, you know, a, a chunk of those 800,000 people are going to purchase, you know, from, from Gymshark. For sure. It's super, I mean, it's, that's huge. I mean, the, the name of the game with marketing, obviously you have to figure out, you know, how to market to your pre-intent buyers and your post-intent buyers. You know, the post intent buyers are those people that are doing like the Google searches, mm-hmm. looking up your product. They have the intention of buying right there. The pre-intent buyers are the people that are seeing like your Facebook ads is perfect for that. They don't know they're going to buy yet. It's very, you know, impulsive buying and purchasing, but you need to be able to market to both. Influencer does an incredible job at driving post intent purchasing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, building up that organic conversation yeah. definitely drives up Google searches um, yeah. and just organic traffic to your website, which ultimately leads into the back end um, exactly. within paid media and et cetera, free targeting pools. Okay. That's it. That's, we're going to wrap it up here, Taylor. This, uh, this was a very incredibly fluid conversation and, 
you know, people should pay you. You should pay us for this, right? They should pay really, us. You, for this, you're right? paying me ten grand for this for this segment. What do you mean? <laughs> exactly. Dang. I should pay you. I right? invoice. I invoice you already. Uh, send me the invoice. We'll we'll, we'll sort it up. But thank oh, you so awesome. so so much. Um, for those who want to follow you, um, obviously your website is kenship.co. That's K Y N S H I P.co. I'll link to it in the bio. Um, where, what social platforms are you most active on? Um, and you know, yeah. how could people just suck up more knowledge from you? Uh, Twitter. So we're always okay. putting out uh, Twitter threads on okay. literally step-by-step practical advice on how to go about influencer marketing. On your personal so, handle or, um, on the kinship? Personal handle, just Taylor Lagasse, T-A-Y-L-O-R-L-A-G-A-C-E. Sorry about my pronunciation at the um, start of the show, Lagasse. Never, never had anybody <laughs> pronounce it properly on the first go. Okay, I will follow. You have a follow today. Um, looking forward to <laughs> just follow you. Okay, okay. So, Taylor, thank you so much. Um, it's been incredible, you know, having you on the show. Thanks for having me, Kuni. Right, cheers. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.